Well, this is a joy. It's been a, a little while since I've preached. Many people have asked, have you ever even done this before? No. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, we, we um, used to do this. I'm non-staff, which means I don't get paid to do this. So you get what you pay for. So they say, um, yeah, it's funny. We were, Rosie and I were talking about, um, my wife Rosie and I were talking about today, and she said, um, she said, well, you know, there will har- hardly be anybody there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good point. Uh, what, do tell. And she said, well, it's the, for the remnant that it's spring break Sunday, so this is, a, this is basically a party for all the people that didn't get to go have exciting plans. And so we're still here in Cedar Rapids and actually have a pretty good contingent um, despite all the spring break change, our daylight savings change from last week, you're here. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to, to do this. Um, even if there were just Rosie and I here, would have been, we'd be preaching today. So <laughs> um, today is about a charge to awake, wake up, to say no to the flesh and say yes to the spirit um, as a body, as individuals and as a body. And first, though, I want to talk a little bit about the, why we're doing a special series um, Glenn and myself and the other um, uh, the pastoral team from Cedar Falls, and kind of t- just talking about uh, the state of affairs here in the church and all the, that we feel like God is really bringing. Glenn talked about this last week, that we have this sense of like God is coming for us. Um, he's doing, he's shaking the, shaking the branches. And so we want to be mindful towards that. We typically preach expositionally, so just going on from what does the Lord have to say to us from Scripture and, you know, to not deviate from that path. And I, I, there's a reason why we do that, and it's really good. And then um, occasionally we'll make exceptions like this, and we're doing a four-week series on the word if. And there's a lot of ifs in Scripture. It has a lot of implications. In fact, there's a, about 1,000 ifs in the Old Testament and about 500 ifs in the New Testament, and that's not even counting all the basically ifs, but not using the word ifs, like ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Like that has an implied if, like you need to do that in order to, for, and it's still an if then. It's a call to action. It's an exhortation. So when we talk about if, it's a little bit of embracing the fact that we need to respond, like you just read the Bible, there are strong exhortations to listen to God and, and respond, take action, press in, pray. And I think the heat is on. Our, our future, in a sense, hangs in the balance in that we don't know what God has. Um, for moving forward, we don't know what God has for our building situation. We don't know what, what God has in terms of how we move forward, what that looks like in, in some ways as a church. And so he's, he's holding on to us. God is holding on. It is so clear to me that he has brought this season to us for our good. And um, it's a collective refining. Um, you know, Donovan is on sabbatical right now. And it's, I, I just see so much clear. It's like our, what God is bringing to our church is so much more than about um, Donovan being on a sabbatical. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of healthy um, 
hurt being brought up that doesn't and, and questions and challenge that that uh, has more to do with you know, our, our what, who are we and what is God calling us to? Um, so God's calling us to act and pray, not sit back and wait. And you might ask, well, isn't God sovereign? Yes, of course. Yes, he is sovereign, and we celebrate that here at Redeemer. And I think of it as, so, so the if statement, and in some respects, that to, to, to cast this, the, the purpose of the series is to say, if you have a pole, you stick a pole in the ground, it's a, think of a, you're going to put up a tent, and it's a tall pole, and it's the first one you put up to get the tent started. Um, and, you, and you tie a rope to the top and, and tether it to the ground. The wind blows from this direction, that pole will eventually just tilt and flop over. A healthy tension is a rope pulling from the top of the pole to the ground, staked down over here, so that regardless of which way the wind blows, that pole stays straight and true and right. So one rope, you could say, is um, what just reading the Bible. God is good. He is sovereign. He determines. He is in control of everything. And that's good news. This rope is providing that healthy tension where you read the Bible and you see we have choice. Our decisions matter. Our prayer and actions have an impact on the outcome. And this side-by-side -side tension is everywhere in Scripture. Um, as it relates to big decisions, um, I, I often, you know, people, so a, a helpful Scripture that's, you know, in my life, like, if you have to make a decision, Psalm 32, 8 and 9, talks, the first, verse 8 says, God is guiding you, his eye is upon you. It has a sense of his sovereignty. And then verse 9 is a warning, but don't be like a mule that must be led about with bit and bridle or it will not come near to you. Sovereignty and call to action right next to each other. Salvation verses, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, boom, it's so clear and good and we celebrate it, Right? For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not by work so that no one can boast. And it goes on to say, verse 10, for we are created in Jesus for good works that God prepared in advance, that we should walk in them. Ephesians, that, then Paul in that letter to the Ephesians just goes on to build with a lot of, you know, therefore remember, for this reason I bow my knees, he's taking action, that you may, that he may grant you power. I therefore urge you to walk in a manner worthy. Now I say that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do. You must put off your old self. You must put on the new self. Be imitators, therefore. Walk in love. It's a charge. It's built off the foundation that God has done a thing that we didn't deserve. He did it. We didn't. He gets the glory and the credit. And then he, he, he invites us into um, a life bearing good fruit for our joy and his glory. Second Peter 1, listen to this. Um, it's another one. His, this is Second Peter 1, 3. Listen to this. His sovereignty and then the call to action and then a thumping word if towards the end of it. 
His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. His sovereignty, he's, de- he's done it. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Here it is. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend to remind you, like, we got to exhort each other. We have to, when we talk about that today, life is a body. What is the purpose? How are we engaging? How are we pressing in? If, 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 there's lots of ifs. One other one, I'm not going to read it. Lamentations 3, it's one of my favorite, but it's just like Lamentations 3, 37 through 41. You can write it down if you're interested. It's a really deep, nothing happens apart, good and bad come from God. And then the response is, let us lift. So let us lift our Hearts to God, like, it's a call to action, both. We can't understand this. It's kind of like, um, in a similar way, because your three-year-old cannot understand the algebra lesson that you're working on providing to your three-year-old. Roland's now four. Roland's, I don't know if he's in here. Okay, but, you know, me teaching Roland algebra, which would be an awesome thing for him to learn, he's not getting it. It, seemed, it looks like gibberish. Um, the symbols and numbers and, and, and whatnot and how they all work together to create scientific answers and to create algorithms that make computers and make things work. I can understand it. He cannot. Because he cannot understand it doesn't mean it isn't true. In the same way, if you were to try to explain it to, you know, if you have a pet, a dog, like, to teach chess to the dog, he's going to chew up the pieces and lose them. You might find them later. But he didn't understand the purpose of the exercise. That doesn't mean chess isn't real and chess moves don't have a... Like, so because we cannot understand how... Wait, so which one is it? It has to be one or the other. And that's why, as a church historically, it's so easy to, for one rope to pull a little harder than the other because you start to repackage things instead of taking the time to read the word and let the word speak for itself. The word provides that pole to be straight and true. Um, Yeah, there's other spots. Isaiah 55. There's this one thing here. So Isaiah 55 is an invitation Come and eat and drink. It's like, come, 
why would you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? Listen to me. It's like, it's, a, it's an invitation. It's a call. And then in like verse 8, um, it's, it's, it's a, it acknowledges, um, it's, this is God saying, I can understand this even if you cannot, okay? You are like the three-year-old learning algebra. You're like the puppy dog watching adults play chess, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So sandwiched in between a statement of invitation, it matters what you do, he says, I can understand this and you cannot. And then he finishes it, the, the bottom side of the sandwich, uh, the bun, with a sovereignty verse. So my word goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish what I purposed for it. So that's an Isaiah 55 sandwich of what I'm talking about. And in the end, Romans 11 hits it the best. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how an inscrutable, inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? So... Now with if explained for a bit of context, back to the Galatians passage, and Ivory, I'm not going to have you come up quite yet, okay, to read the scripture. Again, this is a charge today to awake, to say no to the flesh, to say yes to the spirit as a body, to press in. And it's, it's so important to get the context here from early days in Sunday school and Bible camps, singing songs about the fruits of the spirit, I saw this passage, and I think a lot of people tend to, as like a coffee cup verse where you drink the coffee and sip and remind yourself to try harder to be loving and patient and kind, and somehow misconstrue the list of desires of the flesh, the things that we're not supposed to do, as like, well, if I focus on, I need to, yeah, that's right, I'm convicted, I need to try harder not to do that bad stuff, and I need to try harder to do the good stuff, because then, that, then I'll have favor with God. And you might have gone to enough Sunday school classes or whatever, to have heard that that's not the gospel, but still that's where our heart goes. And so today's passage is actually to Christians. So if you are not a believer, or if you are not sure if you're a believer, if you've not just believed, but given your life over to God, if you have if you have not seen that you that there is a God, you look around and that he made a world that's good and he created you. He gave you, he breathed you life and that you actually are not, you don't measure up. You don't, you, if you haven't seen your desperation and the fact that you're dirty, you feel guilt and you realize, if you haven't realized with that guilt that you deserve destruction, like it's just not right, you have profaned a holy and good and big and wonderful God. And yet that if you don't know that he's made a way for you, regardless of your, your behavior, your good or bad behavior, your works could never pile up to be good enough. Your bad things um, don't surprise God, and he can make you white as snow. If you haven't seen that and tasted that the Lord Jesus is beautiful and wonderful and for you, but demands that you repent and turn and, and submit to him as the Lord, the king on the throne of your heart, 
If you haven't done that, great news is you can right now. Like, start praying right now. Um, just don't confuse it with the rest of today because that would be, I think that would be a real injustice to the scripture and be taking it out of context, which is a risk. By the way, I just want to stay and linger on that gospel call. I, you, you know, preachers or whatever, we might call that a, a gospel presentation, a gospel call. I was trying to like caveat it, but honestly, if you are sitting there and you just feel that little bit of stirring in here or a little bit of anxiety or fear or, hmm, that made me feel a little something, that is almost positively, most likely, not what you had for breakfast, but the Holy Spirit. And you should respond. If you feel that way, you're feeling that way for a reason. Um, so, pray, pray, pray. If, if um, Give your heart to God. The invitation is there. Okay, so with that being said, and by the way, for all those of you who've noticed, I did count that in my sermon time, so I've now eaten up 10 to 15 minutes. I recognize that. And I'll have Ivory, um, if you wouldn't mind reading the scripture. You want a microphone? I think Glenn ran for the hills. Do you want to? Oh, there it is. Testing. There we go. It's just me, guys. Thank God there's grace for that. <laughs> so today the scripture is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through chapter 6, verse 10. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ivory. All right, so Christian body. You've been freed. Now what? What is the life of a Christian? You have a new power, and you've been freed from a power, like a key um, releasing a lock. You've had a power over your life that you've grown accustomed to. This is the flesh. You've been freed from that power over sin, and you've been freed have power for life, or said differently, you now have power to say no to things which bring destruction and death, corruption, and yes to things which bring about beauty and life and fruit and good. So when the Bible says called to freedom, it's not what you are supposed to do as much as it is what you get to do. It's a strong invitation from a God that knows what's best. A bit like a parent knows what's best, like that, that late night candy binge for the child might be something they desire, but a parent knows, and, and adds Sprite to it, like a parent knows what that will mean middle of the night, next morning, like it won't be good, you will, you will regret this. Um, we had a raccoon, we have chickens, we live on what I call a funny farm um, for a number of reasons. And we have chickens just because, um, because you can save a lot of money if you didn't know this. If you have your own chickens, you can save a lot of money by buying the feed for those chickens instead of just buying the eggs. So that's not true. Um, and that's not why we have the chickens, but it doesn't matter. I think it's just because we, we need work to do. We like to be busy and, you know, Noble likes to do the chicken chore. 
And we had a raccoon attack two years ago, go on a, a chicken spree in the middle of the night, and got a hold of one of our prized hens and shook it up a bit. And I was examining the damage to the prized hen and thought, this is recoverable. And I saw the sadness. The kids were like upset. It had quite a, kind of a bit of blood. It was head flopped down. It was uh, barely standing up. Um, and, you know, Louisa was there, Noble was there, and I asked him, can you do anything? We can try to heal it. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I, I did pray. Um, this isn't a story about the power of prayer, although that's its own thing and real. But I did pray, like, Lord, if it would give you joy, like, you could bring back this chicken. I'll, we'll be a part of it. Bring it inside, like, warm water, washing out the wounds up here, washing out the wounds back here. It actually had ripped off quite a bit of its backside and intestines were kind of coming through. The hole, the hole had been um, ripped open a bit. Where the, you know, and um, all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm you know, using a little drip feeder to bring it some sugar water and, and um, just bring it back to life. And its, its eyes come back open. It's, it's starting to stand up again. It was like three months where it was before I went to work and at late at night, I'm there carrying the chicken upstairs, warm water. We kept it downstairs in the basement, so I'm carrying it through the house, back in the little chicken cage, so it's safe from all other predators that might be um, out and about. And um, the thing comes back to life, from dead, literally from death to life. Um, the, everything heals up. I, I try to find good YouTube videos, like self self-service veterinarian stuff. And I was even involved in like helping things go back to where they belong. And it's like, what am I doing with my life? Like you can buy a chicken for like $10, a hen. This is, this is ridiculous. And I was kind of fascinated at one point. I was so far invested in, can, can this thing, um, will it make it? I don't know if it ever laid an egg again, but it did live. And what happened though, this is the point of the story. I'll never forget this. I go, I take the, I'm like, I think it's ready. And I was going to, I brought it out. Um, things were growing. It was in the, the summer. So it's, we have a nice, you know, chicken pen area. The hen was back to all of its friends who, who thought it had, you know, come back from the dead, of course. And we're looking at it. They really do. They're really curious. And they're looking around. And I always, you know, so, so I open up the, um, the little door to release the hen, and it's just staying inside. And I watched, and how long is this going to last? And I went, and I was uh, working in the garden a little bit, and I'm watching, and the hen is just kind of looking around. I thought, well, maybe it's scared. And finally, I, had, I went out, and I brought it out and just watched what happened, and it kind of moved, and all of a sudden, it started doing like a chicken dance of joy, like jumping up, flapping, coming down, running around the pen. It was so happy, and it was pecking and scratching again. It made my heart sing for joy, a little hen. Um, my point is, that's us. Like, God takes us from death, and he cleans us up. He makes us whole. He puts things back into joint. And that's what this scripture is talking about. He opens the door, and we can choose to be saved and alive again 
and stay in that little cage. And he's calling us to freedom. You can, get, you can be with your friends. You can flap around. You can scratch and eat worms now. Um, or you can stay, you know, you're saved, but still in a cage. The door is open, okay? Well, what are the big... What are the big natural desires that we're talking about here? I'm going to just three categories. Um, we are called to fight, to say no. As part of being freed, like that hen, we are called uh, what is named as sensuality and sexual immorality. And we'll talk about that category. What is it? I see this as an escape from reality. It's a desire for numbness. So I don't think this is just purely like, um, you know, sexual sin. I think this is talking about our inner our inner desire for to escape, to be numbed out, to, be, to, to intentionally be blind to what really matters because a little bit of escapism um, feels good. A stealing of your appetite and ability to taste. And our culture is just constantly, this is like the mantra of the world because it's what naturally comes out of humans. If it feels good, do it. Just do it. Treat yourself. This is the world we live in, right? And we're, we're so question, challenge on this one is, do you, do you ever say no to yourself? I think it's a really healthy thing. I think there's a reason why Paul says for physical discipline has of some value. Now, spiritual training or discipline is of eternal value. But he's saying... Why is it of value? Well, one of the reasons why it's of value is because you train yourself to say no. Like, you don't want to do that last set of push-ups. Or you don't want to say no to certain food or drink because if you're trying to win a race, <laughs> you've got to say no to some things to tune your body up if you're going to have a chance at winning. So you've got to make sacrifice. You've got to say no to yourself. Spiritually, sensuality, sexual immorality open up the cage door, part of the path of coming out of that is to say no to those things that just take, want to take your life. Um, I do think within the body, we have a tendency to keep pet sins, you know, just feed it a little bit and not see it as the, the little pet monster that will grow big and it's crouching at the door and it wants to devour you. But it seems so nice and it's furry and we feed it a little bit but um, I mean, you've heard stories, right, of people like that live on an, a funny farm like us, and they run across baby raccoons, you know, coming through the yard, and some child, can we keep one? And the parents unknowingly bring it in. It does not end well. That raccoon eventually grows up. It does not end well. And that's like sin that you refuse to deal with. And as a body, I want to challenge us to love each other enough to disclose what's going on and to um, be part of a plan to like help each other. Not as, not as a um, morality club, but like Rex Kwando said very well, no more flying solo. And I think we tend to fly solo on sins that are a little embarrassing. But why? If they have the power to destroy you, to destroy your soul, why do you do that? Sin is crouching at the door, but you must overcome it. 
Another pet sin that keeps us in the cage is idolatry. Um, idolatry is wanting things, wanting something, anything. It can be good stuff, but you want it more than you want God. Um, and in fact, what happens then is things flip where God becomes the tool, the means to give you that other thing, to repair your marriage, to get a promotion, or to relieve you of anxiety. Um, what does God say? I, I want to know what the Bible says about this. And it's, it's good. Like it, You're on the right track, but you're on a precarious path because it can quick, quickly flip into God's just a means to your end. You actually are still on the throne. You want to be God because it's about you and what you want, even those good things. God wants you to be free from anxiety. He has the power to grant you that. He wants unity. He, the, the marriage is holy. Um, he wants unity, and, um, and he wants happiness there. But he does, he does not want our happiness rooted in anything other than him. He needs to be at the center. So question to identify some of this. Um, where do you spend your time? Where do you invest your money? What do you look at on your phone? What is your Instagram feed? Your Instagram feed is very telling. Like, you know, it, whatever social media you have. It, it be, it's smart. Like, it tells you, it knows what you, it wants to present to you based on how long you look at stuff. It's always presenting. This is who you are. That feed is what you are at risk of turn, making an idol out of. Um, what do, you, what do you want to talk about? Do you ever find yourself in conversations with someone, you're maybe bored? Like, well, what, what is it that you want to talk about? Or do you just want to hear yourself talk? That can be an idol too. Idols are tricky. What makes you mad? What just sets you off? Why did it set you off? There could be something that is a revealing there of an idol. And so, again, on the second point of things we got to say no to, you need help from the body. Um, let's be that family together to say no, to identify, help each other out, say no to idolatry. And the third one, big one, dissensions and divisions. What is this? What is dissension and division? What is it, the thing that we need to kill that pet or it will devour our body together as a family? Gossip, making assumptions, um, desiring suspicions, taking anecdotal evidence and piecing it together and just running ahead to feeling like you know what their intentions are. You, you know what's going on. And then not doing anything with that, like not having the conversation because you don't love enough or you're not willing to take that risk. Desire to be right causes dissension and division. Um, desire to prove others wrong. Desire to see others fail. Someone maybe you've been jealous of, their gifts or their position, or, you know, they, they seem to have it all together from the limited view that you have. And then you hear of something that happens that's hard in their life, and you go around, oh, have you heard about, we should pray for them. And it's, there's, a, there's a bit of in that. 
that is, that is like a, a lever in a crack. And, and, and Satan will fly into that crack and blow it open for dissension and um, division within the body. It's rooted in pride, inflexibility, insistence. Um, you know, as I'm, I'm calling us into, I believe God is calling us as a church to press in and love each other better by being more engaged in helping each other, seeing like saying no to these, these killer pets. Um, I think we need to be taking the risk to speak up in love when you, see, when you have a question, to be willing to take that risk and also to, to speak of your own, like to confess and put it out there and be healed. Otherwise, it's as we read, this does not sound pleasant. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. It just will not end well. So challenge question on this third, say no to um, fleshly desire, is do you desire to see others get what they deserve or what you think they deserve or for them to be restored? I mean, we're, all, we're a church here celebrating that we get what we don't deserve, right? Can I get an amen on that? Like, that's the gospel. This is like, we're all here because Jesus did something that he gave us a gift that we did not earn. So do you celebrate that? Do you celebrate and want to be part of others being restored and getting what they don't deserve? Or do you want them to feel it for some reason that's like between you and them and, and, and you're not willing to be part of it, but you just want them to feel it? It takes a sacrifice. Galatians talks about bearing in 6.2. If anyone is caught in a transgression or even confesses a transgression and you're responding to them, right? You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3, if anyone thinks, I mean, you're not better than them. But it takes a sacrifice of time and energy you can't say no to anything without saying, you can't, sorry, let me say that, try that again. Um, I would just believe this is a true aspect of reality. You can't say yes to anything without saying no to something else, just in general, especially think about your schedule or the amount of energy you have. You say, you say, if you say yes to staying up to watch um, the thing, Netflix or whatever, you just, you just said no to getting up earlier in the morning. Um, if you say, if you're at Pizza Ranch, and if you say yes to the, 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 the roasted chicken, you're saying no to the pizza to some degree. There's only so much room, even for me. If you've been around me, I know it's hard to believe, but there's a limit of how much can be consumed at um, Pizza Ranch. So I'm, I'm, I, there's a lot at stake. This fight to say no, your joy is at stake. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. 
And here in 524, we hear, if you are a Christian, you have said no to these pet sins, these flesh or natural desires. You've crucified them. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's a revealing, just like the fruits we're going to talk about. As Christians, we're called to fight and say yes. We're called to say no. We're called to say yes to walking in the Spirit. So how do you walk in the Spirit? Um, I've, I've read a story. There's a, there was a zookeeper that spotted, caught a monkey in the act of trying to escape. He had a fork. Somehow he got a fork. This may or not, may not be based on facts. He, his escape route was near an electrical socket. Socket would lead to death. If, and he's playing around with it, messing with the fork. There it is, the monkey's messing around. And the zookeeper is yelling, monkey, no, stop it, no, stop. You cannot do that, stop. And the monkey looks and turns at him. And then as if caught up in a spell, goes back and is monkeying around with his fork, right, by the electrical outlet. And like an angel, a mother comes from the crowd and slips into the monkey area with, armed with a cookie. And the monkey turns, and as if the spell is broken, right? The monkey sees the cookie. The monkey sees something better. So say yes to the spirit. It's better than trying to say no. Like that's the unlocking that can happen, right? Um, that's what we're talking about as we talk about walking by the Spirit. So what does it look like? Abiding. John 15 talks about walking with Jesus. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. We are called to bear fruit. He prunes so that we bear even more fruit. To walk by the Spirit means you know him. You behold him. You read the Bible. You see beauty and you see the unfolding of beauty as an extension of Christ. Philippians 4, 8 says, For whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about these things. And you delight in those things that are beautiful as you delight in Christ and what he's done for you. There is a... Um, I, there's a battle going on and in, your, in your heart, and, and I think sometimes we're, we're keenly aware of that battle because we're getting beat up. Um, things don't go right. Like, a fit of rage comes out because the project you're working on, you're going to Menards one more time. Like, how many times do you have to go to Menards to get a project done? The answer? It's unlimited because you're never done. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you have, we have these moments where we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hot mess. I see that. And we feel this battle. But even when that's not happening, there's a battle, constant, like gravity. Like John Piper says, be either killing sin or sin will be killing you. In the same way, as we are pressing in to the Holy Spirit and wanting a new power to feel the joy of flying out of the cage, he says the Spirit 
the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The sword is the only offensive weapon mentioned in Ephesians 6. It's like put on the full armor of God. The rest is defense. If you want to kill your pet sin, if you want to experience freedom, this is the sword of the Spirit. It's the starting point for offense. The best defense is a really good offense, right? And some of us, I think, have become so numb or so caught up, you're spellbound like the monkey, or you're trapped in the cage like the hen. You've been healed, but you're, you're not experiencing full, fullness of joy um, because you're not walking by the Holy Spirit. There's a desperation here. Your prayer life, I mean, think, look at your prayer life, and honestly, if you were God looking down at yourself, knowing what he knows, do you give the impression of like, I'm good down here, I got things taken care of? And if that's the case, based on your prayer life, you're in a tough spot. Like, you're, 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 you're operating with, on fumes. You might not feel that way, but you are. So prayer is a mean. The word prayer, prayer scheduled, prayer unscheduled. Um, and with these things, I think it's important to say you're taking steps with the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, I think the Holy Spirit can become a feeling in, in a way that's not biblical. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So feelings, God gave us feelings. We're intended to feel joy. And if we're not feeling joy, it's like a, it's the uh, thermometer telling you what your temperature is. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be all. Actions precede emotions. Actions precede, lead your heart. So sometimes there is a, I'm going to obey. I'm going to crack this open. I'm going to say, I'm going to make a sacrifice of time. I'm going to obey. God's prompting me to go talk to that person, but I don't feel like it, but I'm going to operate out of faith, and Lord, please provide. And the, and the desire to talk to that person will come in time, but I think the action and obedience comes first. So don't wait for that feeling. It may not come. So God calls us to communicate as a community, as a body, as a family to fight together. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we may stir one another up to love and good deeds. So let's not stop meeting together and doing this thing. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Note that the very next, what is the very next verse here? You've probably heard that quoted in the context of this is why you should come to church on a Sunday. This is why you need fellow believers that know what's going on. They can help you. The very next verse is 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment. I think there's an intentional tie in there. It's like the body is there to help you see, confess your sin, and embrace your Savior. Let's not be the monkeys, the three little monkeys. I'm, we've been talking about monkeys today. I don't know why. You know, God just kind of brought those. 
but see no, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Those little monkeys just are not helpful in the church. Are you refusing to see, um, when I say evil, like, are you refusing to see what's going on in others, to hear it, to hear back? Are we refusing to speak, you know, speak into where there's hard things, where, where, there's, where, where there may be sin, out of, out of uh, you know, some, some uh, overextension of, like, forbearance? No, like, don't, don't play that game. Don't be the monkey. Out of love for each other, sober awareness of the slide, the tendency of us to stay in our cage, like, speak up, ask the hard questions. Show up. Be engaged. Confess your sins. Confess your own sins. Um, don't be so caught up with the, the manner in which someone is approaching you that you can't even hear the concern underneath them. You don't like the way, you, don't, you disagree with some of the facts. Press in on the fact, like, they're, they're trying to help. Trust that it's out of love. Trust that they're speaking up. They're taking a risk, and it's probably a scary thing for them to do. Show grace for the manner in which they're approaching you. Get underneath it and, and listen. The Lord may be trying to talk to you. Bear one another's burdens. I, the last thing I want to say here um, before we get to some encouragement is like, beware of letting life turn you into the Grinch. There's an unforgiveness here. I want to call us to forgiveness and restoration um, sin is a burden. An equally heavy burden is unforgiveness. I believe if you do your research on the Grinch, he wasn't treated very well. And I'm just going to make the leap just because it's a helpful character to think about. He was miserable. Even being mean to others, it didn't satisfy his heart. There was no end to the, his desire to not enjoy others laughing, didn't want them to be happy his desire to take from others, right? We're familiar with the Grinch story. Um, all coming out of unforgiveness. Some of you have been wronged, and although there's a warning that um, and Jesus says, lost in my notes, like, you need to forgive others or your Father in heaven won't forgive you. Like, okay. I want to focus on that aspect of if you are choosing to carry a burden, it's toxic for you. The burden of not forgiving someone, a sister, a brother, um, a parent, a neighbor, someone that has wronged you and you're holding on to that, beware. That burden, it's like life to you to find a way to at plead with the Lord for help to give you a heart of forgiveness and to forgive that person, regardless of the imperfect nature of their repentance, we're called to forgive. Colossians 3, put on then as God's chosen ones, talking to the family of believers here, holy and beloved, we're to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You reap what you sow. You sow to please the Spirit, 
you reap life. That's, you, that's what you will harvest. If you sow the seeds and feed the pet sins, you'll reap corruption. Those, those, those pets will grow up and they will destroy you. So it's interesting, this passage ends. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due, seasons we will reap, due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the family. So look first to those around you and do good by loving enough to speak up, to walk through life with them, to forgive them, to challenge them. What is the, um, how can I encourage us today? I, I believe um, God has encouraged me with this. Like I was pruning our apple trees last weekend and thinking about how dead they look. And one of my kids was out there, there were a few of them were out there and one of them said something about, you know, when will the flowers come? And I thought, I was thinking about fruit and this, giving this message. How beautiful and amazing is fruit? The flower, it first starts out as a little bud, it's real tiny, on any fruit tree. And it's coming out of a tree that looks dead, but its roots are deep. And then it turns into a beautiful flower that's fragrant and lovely. You can cut off the branch of a cherry blossom tree or an apple tree, and it's a beautiful thing. To, it's fragrant, wonderful. Where did this come from? Somehow that flower then turns into a fruit that's tasty, it looks good, it's colorful, it smells good. It's like, if you cut an apple sideways, like one of my favorite things to do, I like to slice the apple sideways. You have to do this if you don't. You see the star pattern? If you cut it the old school way, it's just kind of boring, but you can still see the flower. That's the shape of the flower. It's a five-pointed star. It's beautiful. Why? Why did God do this? And inside that star are seeds. He's, at, he's calling us to bear fruit. Can we try to bear fruit? Yeah, you'll fail. Fruit comes from a limb that's been pruned, and then it bears more fruit because there's life coming up from a source that's not us. Like, bearing fruit is God. Doesn't this sound appealing? Don't you want to experience these things coming from your life and coming from if you're the apple? There are seeds within you. Will you plant those seeds that your legacy isn't on a monument or on a building someday or in a book, but that's living spiritually through the hearts? So like those seeds are, spiritual seeds are being planted for flourishing, blessing. Listen to this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What else are you wanting out of life? What are you hoping for, striving for, wanting, longing for? May it be that God would rock you and, and give you life and produce these beautiful, fragrant, tasty, legacy, long-lasting things. Fruit is a great revealer. It's what's inside. So for review, can you successfully try harder to produce more patience? No. Who bears the fruit? We do. 
as trees, as branches. How do you bear fruit? You say no to the flesh. You say yes to the Spirit. Who made the fruit? God. Who gets the glory? God. Who gets the joy? We do. So let's not play church. Let's not play games with God. You can't fool Him. I think we're at a season as a church where I want to press in and ask all the members to be in prayer like you haven't prayed before. I think God is, I've always believed this, and I see it now, God is doing an amazing, unique thing in Redeemer Church, Cedar Rapids. I believe that, and I celebrate it. It feels like a ripping apart, a reshaping, and it feels healthy and good, and all these things, like we need, if we're not in prayer, we can't just sit back. I I used to be encouraged when folks would come up to me, friends, well-intentioned, and say, like, hey, I just want you to know, like, I trust you guys, like, trust the process, trust in what, you know, the outcome, like, looking, you know, looking forward to hearing, you know, how, how this turns out, and I kind of latched on to, like, in a desperate way, like, are we doing the right thing? Thank you, that's good to hear. Okay, sorry about that. Um, But, but now I think for anyone that has felt that way, like, we need to flip it around quite a bit, and members, like, press in, not just in prayer, but conversations, like, what are you hearing? What is God saying to you? What do you need to say to Glenn or myself or Dirk or Donovan? What do you need to say to another? This has brought up a lot of emotions. I've seen a lot of things come up that don't really have anything to do with the pastoral team. Um, do the things that, that, that Scripture is calling you to do. Fly out of the cage. Let's fight to say no to the flesh and say yes to the Spirit. We need each other to do this. Be active, not passive. Let's pray. God, we just desperately need your help. Would you speak... Um, hope and restoration and healing into our bodies. May we see that cage door open and the green grass and, the, and may we fly and hop around and enjoy fellowship and worship you and be restored, be strong, to be whole, to see fruit popping out of us, good things, fragrant things that last, that last on into eternity, and we know it's true. Our hearts tell us it's true. So pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Yeah, so I guess this transition us into response time. Um, We celebrate communion. So as you take that a little piece of bread as you dip it in the, the juice. Reflect on receiving. Reflect on your need. Reflect on how you are a receiver before God. And may it be an opportunity to confess. And if you feel a tension that needs to be released because of something with a brother or sister or a spouse or a child or a parent this morning, like try to open that door right now with them during response time. Right after the service, don't delay. Um, Respond to the Spirit's prompting. Amen.